Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. In the squadron, they called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Yes, 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 yes. Well, uh, all hell is breaking loose in the courtroom where Donald Trump is uh, confronting E. Jean Carroll. E. Jean Carroll, you know, that crazy, ragged-looking lady who unbelievably... Uh, a court, a, a, a jury in Manhattan agreed with her when she said that she had been assaulted by Trump and then defamed. He's not in trouble for actually assaulting her, which he did not do, which is completely unprovable. There's no way in a million years. And I, I've shown that here yesterday. And But anyway, just a few moments ago, the judge said, um, I hope I don't have to kick you out of here. I hope I don't have to exclude you from this trial. And Trump apparently said, I would love it. I would love it. He was making noises. Judge threatens to kick Trump out of the court for audible comments. Um, judge denies motion to dismiss. Uh, right. Oh, judge denies motion to dismiss subway chokehold death case against Daniel Penny. Thanks, judge. Wow. The whole world could see that that guy was Daniel Penny did not kill that guy. All right. There's a lot going on here. A lot of different things. The Trump thing has me fired up. You know what they're trying to do to him, and what I'm really perturbed by is there aren't more people standing up to defend him. It's just you and me, the people, right? And a couple of folks mixed in with conservative media, but they are so conflicted and so worried about you know what billionaires think. I, I don't trust any of them. Now we have to switch gears once again. Lloyd Austin, <laughs> the guy who's kind of the uh, – what is he? He is the, he is the Secretary of Defense, but he's homesick. And he really was in pain on New Year's Day, needed the ambulance. Somebody calls and they say, well, don't turn on the lights and siren. Is that it? Let me hear this. This is the 911 call uh, from one of Lloyd Austin, the Secretary of Defense, his, his aide. Now, remember, Lloyd Austin is sick with prostate cancer, and they want to keep it a secret. They did not even tell the President of the United States, his direct boss. That's the kind of thing you got to tell your boss. Especially if you're going to miss a few days because of surgery. All right, let's hear the 911 call. County 911, where is he? Uh, yes, ma'am. It is. So my name is. And I work for. And I'm requesting an ambulance to be taken. <laughs> Aiden Court. Okay, and that looks like it's a single family home, is that correct? That's correct. Okay, and it looks and like that's a um, residence. Is that correct? That that's correct. Okay. And I, can I can I ask? Like, can the ambulance not show up with lights and sirens? Um, we're trying to mm-hmm. remain a, a little subtle. Yeah, I understand. Um, yeah, usually when they turn into a residential neighborhood, they'll turn them off. Uh, but they're required by law to run with them with the main streets, like if they're on Georgetown Pike or Leesburg Pike. Um, the, okay. the primary roads they have to by law, but um, okay. I've gone in and, and noted that though in the in the in the call. 
Okay, and then also, um, so we'll need assistance. What? Is that it? Okay. Any, um, I'm just curious if we need them to take him to Walter Reed Medical. Is that a possibility? Um, let them know that when they get there. Like I said, I'm noting all this in the call, um, but just let okay. them know that when they get there. Um, I Stop for a second. Um, Stop for a second. You know what they should have done? They should have been beeps in this thing because every time we're looking at each other, right? You know what happened here? They redacted it. They didn't redact it very well, though, because I know he lives on something court, right? The street. They they barely redacted the street address. All right. So uh, this nervous guy calling on all secretive, right? Hey, people get prostate cancer. He's in pain. You know all this uh, all this surreptitious uh, stuff is possibly delaying the response. Custom delivery, no sirens, uh, <laughs> this hospital, not that hospital. The guy's probably, the guy could die. Keep going. But yeah, um, I've noted that in the call. But I'm sorry, what was your name again, sir? Okay. Oh, boy. Can't have this guy's name. Beep. That's it. Okay. Beep. He really sounded like, uh, but I don't know. Anyway, so that was one of the guys working for Lloyd Austin. And you want to keep it hush, 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 because nobody can know that the Secretary of Defense, who is in the chain of command, it goes President of the United States. It doesn't go to the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. It actually goes to the Secretary of Defense, and then it goes to what we call the combatant commanders, right? you got like three or four four-star generals, and they are in command of certain forces, we have Central Command for the Middle East. We got Southern Command for South America. We got African Command. I think they may call it, uh, I don't know what they call it, but it's African Command. Um, and they got all these commands. And the Secretary of Defense is not around. It, it just screws everything up. It shows me, though, that the Secretary of Defense is not around, period. Hey, former Secretary of Defense Leon Panetta is all over the place. On this, I wonder why he's actually criticizing obliquely, but he is criticizing Biden and this uh, this Lloyd Austin character that's happening. Hey, if James Flippin can uh, drop by, I want to find out how these cops are doing. Some nasty guy, horrible guy, stole the gun from the cops and shot the cops. This is Joe Kenny. He's the chief of detectives. Is that his job? Let me hear that. Cut 11, please. Cut 11. Butler grabs hold of an officer's service weapon and shots are fired. One officer is shot in the left hand. Another officer is shot in the left thigh. Is that it? I know where. Okay, thanks. We know where it hit. We hit him in the thigh. How did. Tell me a little. All right. Flippin will be. And I'm told that these guys are going to. Uh, they're going to make it right. They're going to make it. And and that's good. All right. Do we want to hear from Adams and uh, his police commissioner? I met the police commissioner. I like him. Nice guy. Adams, you know how I feel. He's a detestable character, has no business being um, uh, the mayor or really uh, receiving a paycheck from any public entity. Uh, cut 12. Because of their actions, a dangerous person is apprehended. And we have two officers that will be going home to their families. This was one of those so-called routine jobs for patrol officers which is to say there are never routine patrol jobs for NYPD officers. All right. James Flippin has the facts rather than a bunch of, uh, you know, look, we want the best for the cops, obviously, and there's emotions, but I also want to know what the hell happened. Hi, James. Hey, Greg. What happened? 
catch me up on on the particular. I, sorry, I just had, I was getting off the news. I had to I had to go to the, the, the news men's room. Break, right. me, break me in. The here. cops who were shot. You don't know anything about this. Dum dum dum. You may you may have uh, stumped me here. You're talking about this this story out of New York City. All right. Okay. We'll reconvene I'll later. Have to get back to you. It's not something that happens every day, you know. Cops no, it, getting it's, shot. It's not. Oh, you're talking about the. Okay, I apologize. You're talking about last night. I knew you had. I mean, I was like, oh, this is I'm not sorry. I'm slipping. I no, mean, no, no, no. I apologize. You're a news hound. You know I all am. this stuff. I, I, for some reason, I thought you were talking about like this just happened. No, no. I mean, it, it, it like 16 hours ago, but the cops are still in the hospital. Yeah, and we don't have all the details. They went right to, you know, it it it, it entered the right fibula, fibula but mm-hmm. I need to know more. So go okay. ahead. Well. I'm uh, actually going to have to – I want to gather – Well, just tell me what you know so far. Just that the two cops were shot. I, I, this broke after I was getting off, off duty. yesterday. Oh, then you picked up the weed and your podcast. No, 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 and no. you're no. flipping out with uh, – then you're off duty. I can't stand it. I can't – not you, but there are others I know who uh, – well, look, I did hear this, actually. I heard this this morning from one of those billionaires you see on, on Instagram, and he said – the key to his success has been he works harder when he was 25 years old. He started this. He works harder on himself than he does on his job. So, which sounds like, huh? But as he explains it, you know, if you work hard on yourself, you're actually working hard on making somebody else money, and you're going to make some money, and you're going to make a living, and that's all great, right? Okay. But if you really work on yourself, if you put more effort into working on yourself, making yourself better physically, mentally, spiritually, you know, that's where you really start to profit. So who the hell am I to, you know, moan about anybody who, once they punch the clock, uh, you know, turns off everything and pursues other interests? There is something to be said for that. I, you could call me a schmuck. You could also call me employee of the year. But wherever I have worked, Mm -hmm. wherever, I'm all in. I am all in. It's all I think about. It's all I, you know, da, 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 da. to the detriment, quite frankly, of my physical body, my, uh, you know, time with family, mm-hmm. uh, just you name it. Other areas suffer because I am committed to, you know, somebody gives me a paycheck. I'm all in. I'm just, I just can't, you know, wow, it's the coolest thing in the world. Well, what, so and what then, does that entail? Too often, too often we get the mentality that, you know, after we do a job for it, well, they owe me. After all, I show up, right? Mm-hmm. I do my right. Don't you know what I mean? So you're saying that you mean maybe by going above and beyond or or having that level of I don't work know, ethic. I don't know how to not go above and beyond. You know, we had this thing in the when I was learning how to fly jets, right? The difference between an average flight and above average flight and a below average, like very very small differences. You had to be going all in, or else you could screw up spectacularly, you mm-hmm. know, crash a plane, drop a bomb on the wrong guy. You know, there were just, you know, and to not make those mistakes, you had to just be kind of a maniac about work. Mm. Uh, now, maybe that's that's not that's, that's not just me. But all right. So why is Bob Brown laughing at me? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you know, I don't know. I think Too much information. He's got his own perspective, I guess, on it. But no, when you work in news, I mean, it's a constant, especially with the cell phone thing. You know, you never really get away from it unless you kind of like actively make an effort to not pay attention to it, well, if that makes any sense. Y- yes. And when you leave work, you actively make an effort to not follow the news. 
Um, I don't know if I would say that. It's a different kind of content that I might pay attention to. You know what I mean? Like I may look at more what's happening nationally or with the economy or in sports or something like that. You know, I don't really pay as much attention to like the political stuff when I'm sitting in the, in the newsroom. Um, it is a lot more, you know, what's going on in the hours kind of preceding my shift immediately during the shift. And there's always so much going on. You kind of can't cover it all. So you just try to take a little sampling of everything that's happening. Well, let's try to figure out what happened to these cops. Huh? I do know they're right. out of the hospital now, by Two the way. Two NYPD officers were shot in Brooklyn, New York, when a suspect with a long rap sheet for violent crimes grabbed one of their guns and opened fire on them as they were trying to arrest him for allegedly assaulting his mother. One officer was shot in the leg while the other was struck in the hand during the struggle, which ended when one officer shot and struck the suspect, Melvin Butler, 39 years old, at a Brownsville apartment building around 3.30. According to police, the NYPD arrived at the scene after Butler's mother called the police to say her son was attacking her inside an apartment on Bergen Street. I feel terrible for the cops. I also feel terrible for this mother. Every time a you know a guy, a kid, whatever son starts beating up on the mother, and the mother is forced. To, oh gosh, it just breaks my heart. Yeah. Well, I mean, one of the stories that we've been covering a lot. I know I've been covering it a lot today. Is everything going on with Jordan Neely, Daniel Penny? The case did not get dismissed. It's going to go into trial. And when is the that trial? was a similar thing? They said at earliest it'll be in the fall. Officers told Butler he was under arrest, but Butler resisted and he clashed with one of the officers. They both fell to the ground, and at that point, Butler managed to wrestle the officer's gun and then opened fire. It's one of the reasons why he just man when when cops you know are in that kind of it's kind of a life and death struggle. You know, that gun is right there. It could be turned against them. Two of the officers were shot. The NYPD shot and struck Butler multiple times. Uh, the police commissioner said that the wounded officers were transferred to uh, Kings County Hospital and uh, out of the hospital. Now, yeah, hospital. Butler is listed in critical but stable condition. I wonder what that actually means, critical but stable condition. Badly hurt, not likely. That's the thing that they have, likely or not likely to die. Yeah, I I, that's a good question, actually. I'm not really sure. I've heard stable so many different times. I know critical, obviously, you're, you know, touch and go in terms of your life. All right. So bottom line, that's a story on the cops. And uh, is there anything that you have uh, buried yourself in uh, news-wise? Yeah. Well, no. I mean, look, we're, we like I said, the fact that the judge decided against dismissing this case involving Daniel Penny means that the trial is going to happen. Um, we know that, you know, there's been a lot of money raised for Penny's legal defense. I think it's upwards of like $3 million now that he's got in his coffers. Um, and you know, that, that is a case that obviously a lot of people are paying close attention to because there's no shortage of talk about domestic violence, subway violence. All right. Um, are you okay with Trump? Yeah. What do you mean? Are you, well, look. A lot of people I know, some people not, who are wishy-washy on Trump, actually, are coming around right now as we speak, right? They're looking at him in a new light because of this victory. And more and more people who are iffy about him are seeing this uh, persecution, prosecution, lawfare, harassment. They're thinking, you know what? This is too far. Now, one of those guys who's known to be critical of him in private, at least, is Jamie Dimon. Jamie Dimon runs uh, J.P. Morgan, and uh, apparently he'd like to be president, but unfortunately for him, outside of the finance world, nobody knows who he is. Um, but listen to this. This is this is quite a statement on CNBC. Uh, Jamie uh, uh, Jamie Dimon, one of the most successful finance guys in the world. Go. We've got this great hand, but when people say MAGA, 
they're actually looking at people voting for Trump and they think they're voting and they're basically scapegoating them that you are like him. Uh, and but I don't think they're voting for Trump because of his family values. Now, if you look, just take a step back, be honest. He was kind of right about NATO, kind of right about immigration. Mm-hmm. He grew the economy quite well. China, Trade, China ta- virus. Tax reform worked. Yeah. He was right about some of China. I don't th- I don't like no, what he did. No, I said China virus. Yeah, I understand. When he, when yeah. he may have been right. He, he, and I don't like how he said things about I Mexico. I don't like. But he wasn't wrong about some of these critical issues. And that's why they're voting for him. And, and I think people should be a little more respectful of our fellow citizens. And when you guys have people up here, you should, have, you should always ask the why. Not like it's a binary thing. You're supporting right. Trump. You're not supporting Trump. Why are you supporting Trump? It's hard to Trump? hate 75 million of your fellow Americans. And it's, I, I agree. It's done quite and, you know, the it. Democrats have done a pretty good job with the deplorables, not- hugging on to their Bibles and their beer and their guns. I mean, really? Like, can we just stop that stuff and actually grow up and treat other people with respect and listen to them a little bit? And, and I do think the economy will affect. And I think this, this negative talk about MAGA is going to hurt Biden's election campaign. It's interesting. And it goes on. He says Democrats need to grow up. I don't know. I mean, look, that's not a full throat of the endorsement of Trump, but he is acknowledging he's right. Doesn't like the way he talks. Some people don't. But he was right. And this maligning MAGA, that's me. That's you. That's the listeners. That's half the damn country. And Biden himself has done that. And it's awful. And it's great to hear one of the elites. This guy is an elite. I never heard him speak before. No. He's from, I, he's from Queens, actually. Is he really? Yeah. And then he went to go, I think he Harvard MBA and the rest. But uh, all right, Jamie Diamond, not bad. Be right back. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right. <laughs> they actually put the bailiff on notice, the bailiff in the courtroom. Remember Rusty with Judge Wapner? They were thinking about throwing Trump out of the court. Why? For sticking up for himself? Is this still America or what? Pretty wild, getting very, very intense in that courtroom. Um, you know, they won't even let Trump go to uh, his mother-in-law's funeral, which is tomorrow. You know, Melania's mom died. I think she was just 73. And the funeral's going to be in Florida. And they won't, they won't call off court tomorrow so he can go. You know, he obviously is going to some of these sessions. And they say, he doesn't have to be here. Well, he wants to be there. Judge, be reasonable. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, that's me. And, ooh, I'm getting all kinds of... Nikki Haley has gone full rhino, actually full Democrat up there in New Hampshire. They sneak this stuff up on the uh, the local channels, and they think, we're not going to get wind of it. Well, I just did. And this ad is uh, anti-Trump. And uh, Well, actually, I haven't heard the whole thing yet, so let's do this together, okay? It's one of those, I think political ads, for the most part, are incredibly cheesy, and I find them incredibly ineffective. I've never once been, I don't think, I've seen a commercial and it's kind of retooled my thinking on 
on any political candidate. It just doesn't work for me. Maybe it, I'm sure it does for others, but I like to look at the speech. I like to, I don't know. It, it takes a while for me to actually get a sense of somebody, but let's listen to this new ad, which I think is targeted at Democrats. Go ahead. Shows Nikki Haley is now within striking distance of Trump heading into the New Hampshire primary. One state can prevent Trump from winning the nomination. New Hampshire. One candidate can defeat it. Nikki Haley. Most granite staters want to defeat Trump, but he'll win unless voters stand firm behind a single alternative. That's why undeclared voters must go to their polling place on January 23rd to support Haley. New Hampshire, we can't waste this opportunity to defeat Trump. Defending democracy together is responsible for the content of this advertising. Hmm. Uh, and the message is, look, she's running for president and she wants to be Trump. That's one thing. Uh, but this is, I'm told this is like the whole effort up there is to get Democrats to show up. And I don't think that's right. I don't think you should have Democrats voting in a Republican primary. Do you? And some of the Democrats who will be trying to cancel Trump, they actually think, they actually know that Trump is harder to beat than Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis, right? That's the dirty little secret. Um, every time I turn on the fake news, we're always saying how Nikki Haley beats uh, Biden by double digits. Ron DeSantis beats him by double digits. Yet Donald Trump beats him by like uh, one and a half points. I don't believe it. I actually don't. Neither of those people have really done anything that would tell me that they'd be good presidents or effective at beating Joe Biden. Although, then again, you don't need much to beat Joe Biden by. Carmine, hello. Hey, Greg. Barbara's call was so beautiful yesterday, Greg, mm. talking about the love. Of I know, Jesus. I know. Yeah, but we're, it's today. What's up? Yeah, so uh, you spoke about the book Letters to Trump, and I bought it, and I can't put it down. Can't put it down? It's hard to pick up. That thing is a coffee table book. It's a ton. <laughs> All right, Carmine, yeah. thanks for the call. Viviana, you're in Brooklyn. Hello. Thank you, my brother. I am so excited that you're putting the truth out there. You're reporting the news instead of deciding what we're going to hear. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I call for two reasons. And it's like it's a challenge to those who know to do right, that it's time now to do right. You spoke about those attorneys, and if they don't speak up for the for President Trump now, then these rogue uh, district attorneys and judges are going to do the same thing to us later. And them, they're not going to they're not going to say, "Oh, this one I'm going to spare because he didn't speak out about me." Now I think about that judge, and if you obey the Constitution and court rules. You're supposed to be um, innocent until proven guilty. And we're allowing these judges to say, Trump is guilty. I'm not even going to let him speak. That is not only un-American, it's unconstitutional. And well, if you don't defend him, it, it, it is a shame and a travesty. It, it really is. I mean, I, I'm i putting together now, right now, actually, I'm, having, I'm going to show it on video later, but a bunch of convicted murderers just before the judge thinks of what he's going to sentence them to, right? You know, 20 years to life, 25 years to life, the death penalty, right? They all get to say something before the judge makes up his mind. And I, I, so far, about half of them at least 
say they're innocent. I didn't do it. But the judge doesn't cut them off and say, no, don't say that. A jury already convicted you. You're allowed to maintain your innocence no matter what the hell the jury said. You are. This is still America, and we know that uh, innocent people go to jail every day. Not as many as the fake news would have us believe, but, you know, the Innocence Project, we've all seen it. We've seen people innocent uh, in jail many, many years. Trying to think of one of them. Trying to think of one of them. Can you think of one of them? There are a bunch of guys in Brooklyn lately. Trying to think of a more famous one. Uh, Oh, I know, that guy on Long Island uh, who allegedly killed his parents, but he didn't. Marty Tankliff. Marty Tankliff was stone-cold innocent. And you know why they put him in jail? Because he looked like a spoiled brat kid. They just didn't like him. The jury didn't like him. He wore a double-breasted suit when he was 17 years old, and he had like this kind of uh, the cool hair that only teenagers have, and he looked like a spoiled brat. Yeah, he probably did it. Fast forward 20 years. He's all dumpy because of the prison food. Nice, innocent-looking guy, actually. And it turns out he's innocent. And they framed they know they framed him, and they know who did it. This is back with uh, you know they've had corrupt DAs out there in Suffolk and weirdo uh, police chiefs too. I mean, very weird. Anyway, Viviana, it's a travesty. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you. Anything else going on with you? Can I say one more thing? Yeah. Um, uh, as a matter of fact, one and a half. We should call Speaker um, uh, Johnson and demand that President Trump be let go to um, his wife's uh, mother's funeral. Wait a second. Now, hold on a second. All right. We're not, you know, Speaker Johnson. What the hell does he have to do with that? All right. No, and- no. What I'm saying. No, no, no. What I'm saying is he is speaking. And if he speaks out, other people speak out. And I, I, my- I, I, I mean, I don't I mean, look. I don't think I don't I, I don't think we're going to I don't I think that one's out of our hands. All right. And also this calling up the congressman doesn't work. I mean, you can do it. Knock yourself out. I, I like to write letters, but this is a here and now issue. And I don't think we look for some congressman from where is he from anyway? Louisiana. I know he's the speaker, but he's not going to be able to fix that one. Viviana, thank you very much. He won't even release all the January 6 tapes. He's playing games with that. Uh, lots of games. All right, Barbara, always buzz about you. Uh, welcome back. Hi, Greg. Good afternoon. I'm hearing you talk about Trump and the way he's being treated in court and by the judges, and it just speaks to the corruption in our courts and to the corruption of our judges. And it makes me wonder how many of these judges were DEI appointments also, because whether it is our um, – Secretary of Defense or whatever, some of these people who are appointed don't seem to know the basics of their responsibilities. But what the court makes me think of specifically, as I had been reading about Martin Luther King, one of the things he said is never forget that everything Hitler did in Germany was legal. Martin Luther King said that Hitler, everything Hitler did in Germany was legal? Yes. Yes. And I just started to research that. And it seems that Hitler, you know, he was pretty much a, a magician. Of, uh, you know, he could twist people and corrupt and convince them. But he did the same thing with the laws and with the courts. So that they ended up being twisted to his evil intentions. And 
I don't know. I see tremendous, tremendous corruption in our courts here. The J6 prisoners, et cetera, Trump and what they're doing. And where are we headed? Are we headed to that extreme evil? I believe that we are. Small steps taken in the wrong direction will eventually get you there. Just as small steps taken in a good direction will get you to a good place. Yeah, look, we had the president of the United States convorting, convorting uh, with uh, uh, transvestites on the White House lawn with children present, right? It doesn't get any more off the wall than that. And well, actually, it does. If they're doing that at the White House, what, what are they thinking in their brains? Hey, do me a favor. Would you give me that thing from Martin Luther King about Hitler? That is absolutely fascinating as usual, Barbara. Thank you very much. Well, uh, Joseph Abood, is he around? We are uh, Joseph Abood. We're looking for Joseph Abood because we want to ask him, uh, why American men compared to the European men were very schlubby. Why is that? Why is that? They just had this guy come in. He looked like a count and I think he may have been a count. Six foot six, double breasted suit, fit like a glove. Why do they look like that? And we all look like schlubs. I have a feeling it has to do with, well, if you don't live in a socialist society, which <laughs> for the time being, we don't have a socialist society, right? You, you you gotta kind of worry. You gotta worry professionally. You gotta like make sure you, you gotta feather your nest. You gotta make sure there's enough for retirement. And a lot of these socialist countries over there, borderline socialist countries, they don't have to worry about that. So they can think more about their their dress, right? Is that possible? Not that guy, but in general, I think that's what's going on. Um, that is what's happening. And I, whatever, whatever, it is what it is. Another thing about Donald Trump, you know, he wears great suits, right? But they're not like, they're not overly fitted, right? They're a little bit, they're a little bit voluminous. They're a little bit, uh, if he came out, if he came out in the, it, it just wouldn't work. It just wouldn't work otherwise. Mike in Oyster Bay. Hey, Greg. I've been watching it. I watched that Nikki Haley speech the other night in Iowa. I just couldn't understand why she would do that. Complete lies. Everything about it was was made up. Then I realized that CNN and MSNBC didn't show Trump's victory. So to that audience, they're going to come out of that thinking that she won. Well, here's the biggest lie. Let's play the biggest lie. Uh, Where's that? Let's play her about who won in Iowa. You got that one I sent you a little while ago. Uh, Yeah, let's go ahead and hear that. This is uh, this is if not a lie, it's heavy duty spin. I can safely say tonight, Iowa made this Republican primary a two-person race. Yeah, you can't safely say that. You you, you can dishonestly claim that, but you can't safely say that. Uh, what else did you say? I didn't watch her speech. Well, she said that um, that how Trump was like Biden, and there was had so much in, in, in uh, they were same. They were the same in so many ways. It's just just a just make it's a made up thing. They're about as far apart as two human beings can be, um, except they're white males, I guess. The uh, thing is, though, I think she's so far into the swamp and so far a rhino that she's actually in cahoots with CNN and that mainstream media to try to up under undercut Trump. I really do. She cannot be trusted. Uh, I don't think she can be trusted either. And uh, sitting there next to Trump's pledging her support to him when she left the United Nations, you know, she left in a hurry. She left the United Nations and she sat there in the Oval Office 
And I'm going to go back and review that because she gives him some very strange looks. She could not be running for president right now had Donald Trump not given her that big job. I wonder if he regrets it. I wonder if he regrets it. Remember, it was done to hook up the lieutenant governor. Lieutenant governor, a great guy named McMaster. Trump wanted him to be the governor of South Carolina. McMaster wanted to be the governor of South Carolina. McMaster endorsed Trump. Nikki Haley didn't. So how do you make the lieutenant governor the governor when there's another governor named Nikki Haley? Well, you give her some job that she's going to take. And they gave her the U.N. job, which has a lot of prestige but zero power. And it's why a lot of folks are actually in politics. They don't even care if they have power or not. It's just the prestige, the status, the perks. And the U.N. has oodles of that. Zero power, though. you got to do exactly what the Secretary of State tells you to do, even if it is Mike Pompeo. Be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, hey, this unpleasantness. We got a uh, serial scabber on the loose. Uh, over the past day or so, he's stabbed five people. Five different people, mostly in uh, in Queens, and uh, he's on the loose. I'm looking at a picture of him. He's got that great big knife hanging around a storefront wearing a dark sweatshirt. You know, uh, I never understood people who take knives as a weapon. You know, it's so easy to hurt yourself with a knife. You know, it really is. Uh, all right. We'll keep an eye on that. In the meantime, legendary fashion designer Joseph Aboud joins us, a great friend of WABC and beyond. Joseph Aboud, welcome back. How are you? Hey, Greg, how are you doing? Uh, thanks for – I have to tell you, I am driving through the uh, backwoods of North Carolina, and I was listening to you on the WABC app, and I heard you mention my name. So you have a – far reach so uh, i'm glad i was able to call in oh well i'm so thrilled that and you were listening perfect listen i was wondering though maybe you yes. can solve this you know yeah. style you know fashion household name mm-hmm. famous why is it that europeans tend to dress better than americans what what is there a common denominator mm-hmm. and i'm speaking primarily about men what what's happening yes, there of course well i think uh you know our european counterparts it's in the blood Greg, they grew up, you know, they live in stylish countries. Their parents were stylish before them. And I had always tried when I started my own business to try to make American men compete with European men. In a sense, you know, be proud of the clothes you wear. I was hearing how American men sometimes look a little schlumpy. And and I've tried hard my whole career to to raise the standards for American men and the way they dress. And by the way, I understand you're on a best dress list. So, uh, <laughs> so I think you're doing your part. I think you're doing your part. Well, Roger Stone, yes, and I'm, I was very honored, and President Trump even noticed. Yeah. But I mean, well, look, yeah. you dress, and you know, I I gotta say, you uh, Sid mm-hmm. and you work together a great deal, and I gotta say, yeah, yeah. he always looks great, incredibly well fitted. <laughs> um, well, and, and no, 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 it's 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 interesting, and just. When you are well-dressed, I think it does something to you yeah. psychologically, something that's – it just it gives a little pep in the step, right? Correct. Absolutely. I think it's about uh, not only dressing for yourself but with respect to others. You know, I always say if I was going to the theater, let's say I was going to theater in London, I always put on a jacket and maybe a tie or maybe a turtleneck because I thought it was a special occasion. If you look at Broadway and theater today in New York, people are going in flip-flops and shorts. Now, that's fine. 
But I think we've lost that sense of propriety of presenting yourself well. And I always thought that dressing well opened doors. It, it was really important about first impressions are lasting. But I do want to say something because you do talk about Trump and politicians. There's an old saying in our business, never have your suit walk into the room before you do. And I think when politicians take so much time and effort in trying to be satorial and overdress, it looks like it's more about them and not about you. And our politicians shouldn't be that concerned about uh, how great they look. They should be doing the job. So, yeah, if you're a, if you're a radio host or you're or you're a movie star or, or someone in the arts, you know, dressing a little bit more flamboyantly. But when you're a politician, I think you really have to be a, have a certain sense of propriety in the way you dress. Don't overdress. Don't have that suit walk into the room before you do. Very interesting indeed. And uh, with that in mind, and I don't want to drag you into any political conversation, but uh, you got to remain. Uh, but, Eric, it's, it reminds me of a certain mayor who takes excessive pride in his clothes, and he should be thinking more about the people. Give me that quote again, though. The suit should not walk into the yes. room. No, does- yes. You, you, you never want to have your suit walk into the room before you do. Well, a well-dressed man has um, a more of an image about the whole package. It's not about his suit or his pocket square or about his tie. It's about his image. That's why movie, star- movie stars like Cary Grant and Errol Flynn, you know, they, they were bigger than life, but their dress was appropriate, but they were never overdressed. And um, I think that's movie star quality. And I think our politicians, if you remember Jerry Brown, he was criticized for his double-breasted suits because he was too fashiony, and a politician shouldn't be that concerned about fashion. And I'm in the fashion business, and I think they need to send a different kind of message about the way they dress. So interesting, yeah, Jerry Brown, the the California governor, right? That guy. <laughs> yeah, he was yeah, always that, chasing. That's Moon. right. That yeah, governor yes, Moon, he governor Moonbeam, double-breasted suit. <laughs> he was a, he was a trip. Uh, yeah. Another thing, you uh, look. Mm-hmm. You made it big in fashion. You made it big in life. Looking back, your career mm-hmm. is there. Mm-hmm. Is there a, there isn't one secret, but there's one tip you can give mm-hmm. somebody who wants to make it big, and no matter what they're doing, what would you recommend? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I Greg, for me, it's always to trust your instincts and do what you believe in, and nothing comes easy. I mean, look at your career. And, and, you know, I'm very proud to know you. I think you've done an amazing job. Uh, it's hard work. It isn't nothing comes easy. I think our generations, older generations, had to give to get. I think younger generations now expect to get before they give. And I think that's really a problem. And I think when it comes back to dressing, when you go in to apply for a job, and if we have enough time, I'll tell you a quick story about my, uh, my literary agent who used to be a mailroom clerk. And he would get dressed up to go to work, and people would say, why are you dressed up? Well, now he owns one of the largest literary agencies in the world because he had self-respect about the way he presented himself. He worked hard, and it's the whole package. And, and, and Greg, I give you credit for doing the same thing. Oh, my goodness. What, a, what an inspiring story. Joseph Abood. Where can people find you, Joe? Um, at at designer on Instagram at designer Joseph Abood at designer Joseph Abood. So much great content, so many important lessons, and great clothes. Thank you, Joseph. To be continued. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. 
Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.